All right, we are on. So I am Peggy Olson, and I am here with Mark um, Seiden. Um, did I say that right? You did. Okay, good, Mark. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Mark is a part of the Mark Seiden real estate team. Um, owner, and he's been um, doing this for how many years, Mark? Since 1993. Oh my gosh. I know, we're coming up on the 30 year mark really, really quickly. So you're gonna have a big party in th for the 30th? Uh, COVID permission, oh yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're hoping that within two years, we would certainly be able to have a big party. Big party. So yes. that is, that is a, you know, for real estate, that's a, that does, you, don't hear, you don't hear about that kind of longevity when it comes to real estate agencies being around that long. So that is amazing. How many people are on your team? So I love that you call, it's not just you, you have a team of amazing individuals that work along, along your side, right. uh, do what they do best, you know, buy houses, help, help people to buy homes, help people to sell homes and everything Absolutely. else in between. How many people work with you? So I have, uh, it, we run very differently than a traditional brokerage. Um, so I have uh, six real estate agents, but I have seven admin staff. Uh, compared to most traditional agencies that may have anywhere from 25 to 100 agents, and they may have one or two admin staffs. So we run very, very differently, but we, we do a lot of business per agent. That's amazing. And how many homes, can I ask you this? Sure. A little deeper. How many, um, on average, how many homes do you sell? We, uh, we close on uh, 100 homes uh, just in November. So we're going to be wow. probably somewhere between 110 and 120 by the end of this year. That's amazing. But, uh, yeah, so we hit our 100 milestone about 30, 30 45 days ago. Yeah, 35 really cool. years. Okay. okay, so that's a celebration by itself. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. During our stage of, you know, the pandemic. Uh, absolutely, yes. So that's a great segue in. I'm just going to dive right in, and then we're going to get the really fun stuff later. So, sure. pandemic. Obviously, every market's so different. You're hearing across the country, like, either areas where houses are selling within a day, right? right. Um, two houses um, selling within, you know, weeks. So, for, for your market specifically has, you know, what does that status look like for you guys? In well, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, you know, in January, February, we kind of have what we called our normal spring market. And the interesting about the spring market in real estate, this is pretty much everywhere, is that the spring market for real estate is very similar to the spring market in fashion. And what that means is, is that if you want, wanted to see in the magazines the spring market of fashion, what would you see in January, February, March, in the magazines, you'd actually see spring clothes, not winter clothes. They don't sell winter clothes in the winter. They are already into the next uh, uh, market. Next season, right. Right, it's next season. So it's the same thing in real estate. Our spring market is pretty much starts after the first or second week in January. It goes January, February, and March. And the reason why people think our spring market's really in the spring is because the public only sees closings. They don't really see when deals are being made. Mm -hmm. So I always say that real estate's a little bit like pregnancy. So people kind of only can see when the babies are being born, but obviously they don't see when the babies are being made, if you know what I mean. Right. So, so our spring market, when we're making a lot of babies, when we're making a lot of deals, is January, February, March. Okay. And then everybody sees these house babies being delivered 
in April, May, and June, they kind of see the closing. So we're doing a lot of business in the winter, which is really our spring market. So that's so interesting because I would think so differently. And I think a lot of people, this is good education. Right. You always think like the deals are happening very, like not the first quarter of the year, but the second quarter of the year. So. And it is happening in the second quarter year where you're seeing a lot of closings. The closing. But it could take... I mean, 30 is short, 60, 75, 90, sometimes 120 days to close. So again, you have this lag time, this pregnancy time, as I, as I call it, in the real estate market. And everyone sees all these closings and moving trucks and, you know, the real estate agent saying, oh, my God, I had a closing today, I had a closing today. But you can't have a closing. You can't deliver that baby without getting real estate pregnant first. Okay. And that happened anywhere from two to four months early. I've never heard this analogy before until you. <laughs> How you described it is literally brilliant. So I it makes a lot of sense that. though, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm like, I have never heard of that in all my yeah, years. We call it real estate hanky panky. That's what we call real it. Estate, yeah. Okay. You gotta you need to write a book just like <laughs> um seriously. So um <laughs> What do I ask you next? After <laughs> well, interesting. So, so to kind of finish your question. So in January and February, um, it was pretty normal. Yeah. And then COVID started to hit. So we really like it stopped. Right. Uh, pretty much at the end of February, uh, the beginning of March. Um, you know, even our company, we weren't really too sure what direction to go in. You know, what's it stopping for the entire um, season? Uh, you know, was it not? Was it going to come back? You know, we were really in no person's land, you know, not understanding anything that was going to go on. So if there was a good 30, maybe 45 days right. where uh, uh, I'll use the pregnancy again, it was a huge pregnant pause. I mean, we were just paused. Um, and, uh, and to the point where we were what's called deemed non-essential. Um, and non-essential meant that we were not able to meet the public. So we couldn't show houses, literally couldn't show houses. So we could, I, well, let me rephrase. We couldn't show houses if there was another soul with us. So we could show houses one of two ways. We could go into a house that was either unoccupied or vacant. And the difference being unoccupied, meaning people were living there, but they were out of the house. So they were just unoccupied or totally vacant, which means those are the ones, no furniture, no one's even living there. So we could show those with our phone on video and we could video show someone. And uh, obviously that was so much fun and easy to do that someone should make a decision to buy a home worth one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, a million dollars without seeing it, just seeing it on video, right? right. These are not a pair of jeans that you can buy you know, from Levi. I mean, right. people like to you know, smell, taste and touch the house before they buy. Sure. So that was difficult or we had to set it up directly with the seller for the seller to show the home directly to the buyer because there were no laws against that. Um, and we would, we could be there by video, by phone or not, or do after. And the disclosures going around to keep people out of what I call, you know, the courts and real estate jail. And what happens if you get COVID and if you're the buyer's exposed to the seller, the seller's exposed to the buyer. I mean, it was absolute mayhem in March. I don't doubt it. But there was this huge backlog of buyers that were really looking to purchase. Um, and I called it the buyer tsunami and the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people thought 
it was, you know, this New York City market. Everybody was leaving New York City. Oh my God, everyone's leaving New York City, you know, the market. And I lived through this already once through um, uh, 9-11, you know, in, in uh, 2001, 2002. So I had seen kind of like the very temporary New York City, mm -hmm. we're out of here coming to the birds. Yeah. But it was actually a combination of a lot of things. So there were people leave, leaving the city. Interest rates actually started to decrease from a low to how much lower can interest rates actually get low. Mm -hmm. um, and then there were people that were now working from home. And what they found was their homes now were not set up for them to work at home. So they had to make a change. Um, and then there were just people that since they weren't working anymore or as much or working from home, they actually had the time to see that they just weren't in the right house for them. So some were going smaller, some were going bigger, some were leaving Westchester, some were just making a swap in Westchester, Westchester, Putnam and Duchess. And so when you had this perfect storm of all these different people analyzing their real estate needs at the same time, it was maniacal out here. So starting at about late March or April and going into May, we had a lack of inventory because there really wasn't a ton of sellers mm -hmm. uh, going on the market. Um, but we had an incredible number of buyers coming on where we would have properties that would be on the market for 20 minutes. And um, there could be three, four or five offers on it. Within 48 hours, you could be 14, 15 offers on a property. That's it was insane. That's insane. Yeah. And how is it today? So now, um, now we're Christmas time, obviously holiday time. So what do yes. you expect for 2021? Yeah, so right now it's what I call typical holiday pause. pause. You know, it's certainly okay. slower now than it was. You know, prior to, so let's let's go, let's say end of October. Yes. Or September, end of October. Um, it was still, there were still quite a few things with bidding wars, but not anywhere as much. Um, and then there were some sellers that were just putting their places on the market for ridiculous prices. First of all, prices climbed dramatically anyway. I can't really give you a percent. Right. Um, you know, there's some prices that, you know, places that have already been up 10 or 15%. There's some places that are up 30 or 40% and anything in the middle, uh, depending whether it's a condo or a co-op or uh, little specific areas in Westchester or specific areas in Putnam or specific areas in Dutchess or Rockland. So there was, there's not a uniform upage, but pretty much every place was up except the city. Got it. Uh, you know, New York City definitely went down. Um, and uh, so at the end of September, October, you know, things started to calm down as far as how many buyers were, but there's such a lack of inventory that even though we went, they went from, you know, 30 people looking for pineapples down to only maybe nine people looking for pineapples. Mm -hmm. If there's still only three pineapples to be sold, if we went from 30 to nine, there's still not enough pineapples for the nine people. Right. Mm -hmm. But anybody that was overpriced, uh, we did now see things that were starting to sit and okay. things that had to have a price adjustment because things were starting to sit. And those were the sellers that actually came too late to the party or just, you know, their market went up 25%, but they decided to increase their price by 40%. Well, right. it's not going anywhere. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's going to happen in January? Yeah. I'm just, yeah. 2021 is going to be very, so you're probably, I would assume a little worried about the lack of inventory. You know, because there was such a surge in 20 Yeah, you know, so right now there's still a lack of inventory. 
Um, you know, we definitely have quite a few things that are signed up that are going to go on in the first week or two of January. And I'm sure a lot of other real estate agents have that too. Sure. Um, how much is going to come on? We don't know. How many buyers are still backed up that haven't bought yet that still want to bought? We don't know. I I've been doing a lot of reading and there's been a lot of predictions. And I will tell you, I don't think anybody is going to be able to predict this market Got it. for many reasons. We're going into another round of COVID with shutdowns. Right. Um, hospitality, entertainment, and the service industries are devastating. Mm -hmm. And all those supporting um, manufacturing and industry that supports all those have been devastated. So all that semi-unemployment and unemployment is going to come haunt us. It, it, it's not going to sit there and just disappear. Right. The other thing is there's been a lot of people that have not been paying their rent and not been paying their mortgages because the banks and landlords can't go after people. And there's a lot of people that have not been paying for really legitimate reasons. They have been devastated by COVID. But then there's been a lot of people that said, oh, the banks can't come after me. I'm just not going to pay. But eventually the government's going to find a way to let loose these landlords or banks to collect because these landlords and banks can't just not collect forever. Forever. You know, and maybe the big banks can't longer, the city banks, the Wells Fargo's, you know, those big national banks. But there's a lot of small banks, private investors, private landlords. They can't not collect rent, but still have to pay property taxes. So one day the feds are going to say, okay, you can start collecting. Now, what about all those people that are not paying their rent and not paying their mortgage, but they really didn't have a legal right to do so under whatever guidelines of relief the feds are going to put that you could get relief for. Mm -hmm. That's going to make some properties hit the market. Right. Mm -hmm. But who knows when? Like nobody, like I said. Uh, who knows? Who knows? So that's going to increase inventory. <laughs> some of those will be short sales. Yeah. Some actually won't. And the reason why some won't will be because if the prices have really gone up 30%, right? The amount of money that they didn't pay on the mortgage, they still may owe less than what the market will bear because the market went up so significantly. So people may instantly think, you know, if I owe $200,000 on my mortgage, um, you know, now I haven't paid for a year, year and a half, so now I owe 250, 260, 270, you know, now I'm going to have to short sell my house. That may not be true because the market value of the house may be 300. Mm -hmm. So if it went from 200 to 300, yeah, you didn't make a hundred grand anymore because you still owe another 50, 60, 70 grand in non-payment, but it's still not a short sale. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next three to 12 months when I'm going to call it another, this perfect storm of yeah. what's going to happen with all these people that haven't paid and there's really going to be two uh, categories. One, legitimately didn't pay, and they're going to have some out. I'm sure the feds are going to go up with that. And a whole group of people that little, uh, legitimately were not really allowed not to pay. Now, that's not to say they weren't financially impacted by COVID. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about what they're going to be able to apply for assistance or not get assistance. That's going to be beyond interesting to say. Yeah. And I've lived with three turns of uh, the real estate market, three substantial recession in terms of the real estate market. I've never seen something like this before. We are really going into no person's land. 
Wow. Well, and so, I, know, I mean, in the past too, I mean, your longevity of doing this, you've seen it all. You know, I, I really have, but I've never seen this. And I don't think anybody has seen this except for maybe, and I mean, maybe those who may still be alive that have a great understanding of what happened maybe around the 1930s for the depression. But I don't know anybody doing real estate that's still alive back then. Right, right. So um, other than that, this is so new. And there's a lot of people that predict, but I think those predictions are probably as accurate as the, um, the presidential poll takers. Right. If you notice, those weren't very accurate one way or another, no matter what side you're on, they just weren't flat out accurate, period. I think all the predictors in this, if they're right, it'll be a crapshoot. You know what they always say? A what broken clock is right mm -hmm. twice a day? Yep. That's pretty much going to happen if someone happens to be correct in this prediction. We're going into something no one has seen. No one's seen. So with your, I call it, the, it sounds like the dream team that you right. have under you. How do you keep people like your team motivated? Like your culture is everything especially Correct. during this pandemic, right? And you can all relate to that. So how, does your, how do you keep your team motivated and not as stressed? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know if that is, exists, like the stress of people's like, psyche and, and thinking of what's going to happen. But Mark, you're such a positive person just talking to you. You know, no one can predict the future, obviously, of 2021. We hope for the best. That's correct. All hope for the best. But how do you, what do you do um, with your team to kind of keep them motivated at ease of like, you know what, guys, we're going to, we're going to get through this. You know, that's a really great question. And I will tell you as a, as a business owner, boss, manager, you know, this has been leader. leader yeah. This has been one of the hardest, uh, again, in 25 plus years uh, to keep people motivated, but uh, we have a set of core values. Um, and we also meet, we, we train or meet or talk five out of seven days a week. And in the, and in the real estate business, that's like unheard of. Right. Because real estate agents are independent contractors. So there are managers that haven't seen their agents in months. And I mean months. You know, if the agent walked through the door, I'm not too sure if the manager would even remember what they look like in a lot of the traditional models. We actually, you know, Zoomed like everybody else, but even prior to Zoom, even by phone call, we huddle for 15 minutes, five days a week. So we're constantly talking to each other. We have a two hour training meeting once a week, every Tuesday. We do role play or additional trainings for an hour, another two days a week. So we are constantly talking to each other, constantly going through scenarios that agents are going through with their clients and negotiations. And there's constant training, constant, constant role playing constant, constant scripts and dialogues, um, and then processes to go through. So for example, how do you deal with a bidding war? How do you win a bidding war when you're up against 14 people? Right. That yeah. was a three week training on probably training four hours a week for three weeks, just to kind of go through those scenarios. Mm -hmm. And once the agents kind of learn best practices and scripts and dialogues and objection handling techniques, things that are all geared to make the consumer a better consumer to really understand how numbers work and, and the difference between price and terms. It keeps the agents motivated and actually excited to kind of go out there and do it. And my agents have won more bidding wars 
than any of my competitors, not necessarily having to have my, my buyers pay the most amount of money. But teaching people terms and teaching people how to do things with, uh, you know, appraised values or what happens to somebody that's appraised and how do you get through that with the seller and to make the seller at ease. Uh, we won major lion's share of bidding wars that other agents didn't win. And the challenge is, it's not that the other agents didn't win. You know what happens when the other agent doesn't win? Their buyer loses. Right. That's the differential. So our, it's not that our agents were winning the bidding wars. Our buyers were able to win the bidding wars and get a house where that means there are a lot of other buyers that lost an opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love asking these types of questions just because, you know, how you, I would say people work for good people, right? And right. so, especially during this time, you know, the support that employees need and your team is so important. And so it sounds like you have a great structure that you've always had in place, um, which is, I, I commend you on that. I think that's amazing, you Thank know, you. because that builds confidence, that builds the support that they need to, especially now, to get through oh, in time. So, and, and we go through our core values. As I said, we have core values. Right. So part of these meetings is actually they have to pick a core value and tell them what their core value means to them. So, for example, you know, commitment is one of our core values. Well, they have to explain how that meets with them or passion or consumer-centric, mm -hmm. um, honesty. Uh, so we have a whole group and it's not just putting them on the wall. We actually discuss them and each agent and, even, and sometimes the employees too have to go through them and say, what does that mean to you with what's going on in the pandemic with your consumer and your life and your family right now? And it really kind of brings people back to square one and it, and it helps them not just get through their business, but get through everything else that's going wrong. Yeah, it's authentic, you know, that's and you correct. feel like you're a part of like a true company and a team. And there's nothing to be said about that. So oh, yeah. culture is everything. Culture is everything. I 100% agree. Correct. So let's get to some fun stuff. During the stressful, a little pandemic time, what do you do on your spare time? Like, what do you like <laughs> when you're not uh, reading about real estate, training about real estate, selling real estate? So, I mean, there's something outside real estate. Get out of town. Get out of town. I know. Yeah, really. You got to shut it down, Mark, every once in a while. I know, I know. Um, so, I always say, like, what is your shutdown favorite thing to do? I want to, I want there's actually, to there's actually a few of them. Um, we, okay. My wife and I have got more into uh, wine. I, I can't say tasting. I'll say definitely drinking a little bit more red wine. Um, favorite red wine? Oh, I'm a Zinfandel guy. Okay. Big time. Okay. Um, but we've been uh, going on some of these um, wine clubs and things like that and buying wine. And um, it's been a lot of fun uh, doing that. That's been a lot of fun. We've been doing a lot more cooking. Uh, my wife and I have done a lot more baking. I've never really baked bread before, uh, just like everybody else on the planet during the pandemic. Um, you know, we baked some bread, but we've been trying a lot of different recipes um, and eating home. Um, we've also done... Um, a, a lot more renovations. We bought a beach house, so we're doing renovations, and I love doing renovations. So, you know, doing planning and doing things like that, and we're going to be doing some other things to our house here in Austin, in New York. So that kind of keeps me busy, and and for me, that's not work. That's just that's a, that's your passion project. That, it really is. It yeah. really is. We've been yeah. we've been having a blast doing that stuff. Yeah. Um. 
I think this is a good time. I think a lot of people are discovering other passion projects or passion things during yes. this time because you have no other choice, right? <laughs> like, we, we definitely have not purchased yeah. any pandemic pets, though. Even no. though I know I know a lot of other friends and fa family have. We we have matter of fact, we lost a pet during the pandemic, oh, but we have we haven't gained any pets during the pandemic. So okay. that's one thing we have. Yeah, well, you should. I mean, maybe twenty. Well, we still have pets. We just haven't added. Added. Okay. Okay. Um, that, <laughs> that is hilarious. So, because so many people, all you see is puppies everywhere. Right? Oh, my mother-in-law got one. And I'm like, oh my goodness, just one more thing that she needed to take care of. You know, I she, know, I know. But she loves it. But she just loves it. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Giving back is also really, really important during this time. So what do you guys do to kind of give back to the community? You know, community outreach as much as culture is obviously huge Correct. Uh, for, for uh, most, most business, local businesses out there that are doing well or surviving. So what do you guys do to give back? Well, philanthropic is very important to us. So uh, uh, we do uh, four now, sometimes even five um, community events a year, um, and, uh, you know, to really thank um, our past sellers and buyers and those that have given referrals. So yeah. we have these client appreciation days. Um, and, you know, they used to be inside of a movie theater or inside of a wine tasting, which obviously we haven't been able to do since February. But we still have them. So we've had a shredding event. Uh, we did a, um, an outdoor movie event. Um, we're, you know, continuing to, to do many more. We do a pie, uh, Thanksgiving pie giveaway. But at, at all those events, we also have a philanthropic uh, giveaway. So okay. we've had people bring food for the Austin Food Pantry. Um, we have people bring coats where we're uh, bringing them down to New York City uh, for the homeless. Uh, we've done um, uh, food drives uh, and money drives for our Rotary Club here for feeding Westchester. And there's a whole list of, of people that we attempt to uh, either bring monies or goods for on every event that we do. Um, and this year for the first time, even just for us personally, um, we set up what's called the Side and Family Fund. And we're teaching our children all in our 20s um, that once a year they have to research and find a, a, a 501c3, anything they want to give to, they have to research and look at the tax returns and call the people in charge of donations. And there's a list of questions they ask and uh, they are now all learning. We've given them a certain amount of money from the fund that each of them get to pick their own uh, philanthropic entity. So there's no judgment. Uh, so if they want to give away something to that, something we've never heard of, we or it's not as important to us, but it's really, important to our children, they can give that money away to them. So giving back to the community is so important because it's the community that's helped us be as successful as we are. Absolutely. And so this is a, like a, a program that you just started to help younger youth to understand the importance of giving back? Yeah, for our children, yeah. So the side family forms outside the company, but it's not outside our family. Right, so, okay. So we just, yeah, so we'd set this up because, you know, we've been very lucky, very, you know, fortunate that even during the pandemic, our business is up where a lot of other people's businesses either been down or devastated. And, you know, we have to give back. So there's nothing better than taking, you know, our children are between the ages, we have three children between the ages of 20 and 27. 
And it's, it's very important to teach them that they're very lucky and here's how you give back. And um, it's been a great learning tool for them. You know, it's, it's a lot of research and of course they want to give to everybody. You can't give to everybody. So it's, it's a great training mechanism that we're hoping that, you know, they'll start in their twenties and they'll keep this going for the rest of their lives. You know, once a year, twice a year, five times a year, whatever they want to do, they give back, they give back, they give back. That's amazing. Yeah. Kudos to you. Yeah. That's, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting process. I'll tell you. It is, but you know, one foot forward, you know, makes a big, absolutely little goes a long way. Little goes a long way. Is that what I say? Um, we're going to slowly kind of, you know, wrap this up a little bit. So I really want you to tell kind of the audience that's going to, that's listening about like, you know, what can, you know, they do to get in contact with you guys in the sense of, you know, tips, questions, um, advice on either buying or selling come to 2021. You have amazing website. Oh, thank you. So, um, you want to tell everybody like how to contact you guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really simple. Um, you know, obviously go to our website um, and you can certainly contact us on the website with any kind of questions that you may have. You can certainly call us. We have an 800 number, 749-6600. Um, it may ask you for a uh, extension because um, all our marketing items have an extension, but if you just call the number, don't have an extension, just press zero and it'll go right into our client care department um, to, to help right away. Um, and that's what's really nice is that, you know, we're, we're practically never closed. I mean, no, we're not open at 2 a.m. So if you call at 2 a.m., uh, we will answer the voicemail the next morning. Um, but uh, we do have a big uh, team. Um, yes. and, and what I mean by team is what's really great about this is that what we've learned about real estate is the one real estate kind of like a hospital or or doctors run a surgical team so even though there's the main surgeon you know it's like everyone wants to talk to the surgeon the surgeon the surgeon you know a surgeon can't do anything without their surgical team right you know they they do you know i guess the heavy lifting part you know the with the scalpel and so on and so forth but there if you ever look on any tv show where there's a surgeon doing surgery is the surgeon alone is there a big team of people All supporting the surgeon so that's how we do in real estate. So the great news is, is that I don't need to be there to have, answer every question. I have buyer agents. I have a listing partner. I've got, as I said, you know, seven admin people um, who know how to answer probably most of the questions that are out there. So someone doesn't have to wait for me, no matter how busy I am or not busy or on vacation or whatever, everything gets answered. So go on my website. Um, you could go directly even onto Zillow and Trulia and some of those other websites. You'll see that we have probably more testimonials than 99% of other the agents out there. Um, and those are independent testimonials. Those are not things we can type in. Um, so if people are really spending the time to give us those kind of testimonials, I guess there must be a difference. No. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm just, I want to mention to everybody what the website address is. It's homeman.net. Yep. Okay. It's really easy. Homeman.net. .net. Um, but this site, um, so pe for people that have not been here, they have everything to easily for you guys to find, but you know, everything for buyers, sellers, the market trends, which I think is a great section of your website. Oh, thank you. Um, everybody needs to know what that 
you know, money. Yes, exactly. So, but you're very well connected on social, Facebook, a lot of reviews on there, LinkedIn. I mean, you're, you're, you're all over the place. So I think that's fantastic. I appreciate um, it. Thank you. Mark, thank you so much for today. I know I personally learned so much. I am definitely the analogy of, you know, the pregnancy. real estate pregnancy. Real estate pregnancy. So <laughs> this, this is like, this is, I've, this is amazing. I think the audience, your audience <laughs> that. So is there anything else gonna, you want to say or? or uh, listen, I, this, there's so much to learn out there. I, I hope know. we get to do this again real soon. We're going to do um, this real soon. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, just, you know, stay tuned. You know, we'll see where the market goes, but no matter where the market goes, um, I'll give you another one. We're kind of like also the uh, ballerinas of real estate. We can pivot and turn faster than pretty much anybody. So if we have to turn left, turn right, go straight, go backwards, whatever we need to do to make it successful, we get it done. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. 